I'm Amanda Wagner. And I'm Liz Pittman. And this is the Amanda Wagner Podcast. This podcast is the place for born leaders who are hungry to do something big, something that matters, and who are tired of waiting for an invitation to change the world. On this podcast, we talk about the challenges of bravery, living thoughtfully and strategically, and we share our experiences as women with impatient ambition. The world has enough fluff. This is your invitation to bring your worth to the world and do something that matters. In this episode, we take stock of the things we're committed to, discuss the costs of being overcommitted and being a part of everything, and we debunk the five excuses you probably use to stay in things and help you uncommit without making it personal. And in WWAWD, we answer Madison's question about what to do with a chatty coworker who just won't leave her alone. If you're like me, at some point, you have been in far more Facebook groups than you can remember. You are juggling between a ton of different platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Mighty Networks, Teachable, Coursera. You're on all of them or in all of them in some capacity. You are joining calls and it always takes longer than you think it should because you're digging around to find that Zoom link that's buried in one of your inboxes. And you get notifications that ask, are you coming? Or the dreaded, we missed you today. If this sounds like you, it sounds like you're overcommitted and probably exhausted and undersatisfied. If you're feeling like, oh, thank God it's not just me, you're right. It's not just you. And it might be time to uncommit. Uncommitting is one of the hardest things for me to do because I live in fear of disappointing people. As you know, I am a people pleaser and I never want to hurt anybody's feelings. Earlier this week, I sat down and looked and I realized that I'm in four different groups and I pay for all four of them. Three of the four are on different platforms. So I'm playing in Facebook, Instagram, and Mighty Networks. And just recently, I have started to ask myself, what is the cost of staying committed to these things? And I don't just mean the financial cost. Yes, that's part of it, but that's not even the biggest one. So in our conversation today, we're going to talk a little bit about why uncommitting is so hard and debunk some of the excuses that we really use to stay committed to make it seem like we're doing the right thing, even if we aren't getting full value out of something or we aren't really committing and engaging in a meaningful way. Did you join a lot of these groups at the beginning of the pandemic as a way to, to be connected or has this something that's been building for you for a while? That's a great question. For me, it's actually something that's been building for a while. And when the pandemic hit, I mean, at this point, I had been in my business for two and a half years. And so four actually feels like quite a small number. I feel like I've really called back and I have summoned the strength to stop showing up or stop signing up for a free webinar that I never attend and then get the recording of and never watch the recording of because I'm just not interested. So for me, it wasn't really about connection with the pandemic. I think it was looking for, for community in the beginning of starting my business and because it seemed like what you were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Liz, you're a little bit earlier in your business than I am in terms of being a full-time entrepreneur. Do you feel like 
your level of commitment changed from when you first started versus when you were in the pandemic? I think when the pandemic first hit, I signed up for a bunch of Slack channels and like was keeping an eye on different discussions because we were all just craving that connection or wanting to feel like we were part of something. We were all going through something together, which of course we all still are. But right. I think I, I jumped on that a little bit right at the beginning of March or the middle of March there. I've really pulled back now. I've unsubscribed to some things, but I think that that really revved up for me when everything started happening. And at the time of this recording, we are six months into the pandemic. So I'm curious to see how this changes over time because I think we've all really established that we are in this for the long haul. And so I'm curious to see how much more committing or uncommitting is happening. For me personally, when I sat down and figured out that I'm in four of these groups, I didn't consider the newsletters I was subscribed to necessarily. I really looked at what am I paying money for and what is every extra hour, half hour um, Facebook group that is contributing to my days and weeks, but is also taking away from my bottom line of what I want to do. So I'm at the very beginning of what I'm calling radical uncommitting. I have done so much radical overcommitting in the last few years that now I'm really backpedaling and I'm having to fight against my people pleasing behaviors. I'm having to fight against my fear of disappointing somebody or hurting somebody's feelings, but I'm getting fiercely protective over my time, my calendar, and, and I call it my bottom line. Where do I really want to be? knowing how incredibly ambitious I am, I can't be ambitious about every single part of my life. So it's really forced me to go, what do I really want to do? And is everything that I'm a part of, everything that I sign up for actually contributing to that end goal? And for me, it's made me really stop and think, which is worse? Uncommitting to something and potentially disappointing somebody, even though we're going to talk through how you probably aren't, or being a no-show, showing up resentful, showing up unprepared, the number of calls that I have sat through and tried to put on a nice face and engage and head nod. I am a teacher. So my background is always like, how do I make sure that the other teacher or the other expert in the room feels validated in what they're doing. And so I sit there and I'm like, I'm trying to be the eager participant, but the whole time I'm thinking there is so much more that I could be doing with this time that would leave me less exhausted and more fulfilled. Yeah. And that becomes a performance, you know, and that's even more exhausting. If you want to be there and you're excited about what's being offered, that comes naturally and the energy flows when you're pumped about something. But if you feel like you have to be there and you're dragging your ass to show up and okay. you feel like you have to smile on your webcam the whole time, that's twice as exhausting than it would be if you really enjoyed it. Absolutely. I'm, I'm definitely performing. And sometimes I leave those calls and think, why am I tired? I'm like, well, because I just put on this show of like being an entertainer to prove to somebody else that they are entertaining me, which I imagine is not their purpose either. So there's a lot of, a lot of feelings that are happening in this space. And I am so confident LP that people who are listening to this are going like, oh my God, yes, it's not just me. So I want to hear from you. I've talked about the groups that I'm in. Tell me some of the things that you are committed to right now 
And if not now, what's your experience of being overcommitted? So I feel as though I'm not as overcommitted now because of the pandemic. As I mentioned, I kind of like right off the top was like, let me join the groups and let me join the conversation. So I get that connection that I'm craving, but I'm not someone who pays to join the groups or the workshops or do the workbooks or the digital group discussions. That's just very, very rarely, even the free ones. That's just not really my thing. Um, but I am still very much digital, digitally committed but a little bit more passively. So I've talked about it on the podcast before. Newsletters up the yin yang. Like that's just <laughs> you love a newsletter. I love a newsletter, and I'm open to suggestions. It's part of my like morning routine. I read my newsletters and drink my coffee in the morning. Um, but I know that there are newsletters that I can unsubscribe to that I'm not reading. Uh, like I can think of two off the top of my head that I could probably unsubscribe to. Um, also, I'm in lots of Slack channels. I will say I have had, I have always had all of the notifications shut off for them. So I often forget that Slack is there and will just check in when I remember it's there. Uh, you know, I'm in several digital marketing ones. I am in a Slack channel for my favorite newsletter. Like I just, there's lots of Slack channels. So I'm definitely, I'm a member there, but very passively. Uh, you know, to some extent I'm committed to my online presence, especially on Twitter. So there are regularly scheduled Twitter chats that I don't participate in as much as I used to. I chime in probably now about once a month. I don't put them in my calendar, um, but it is something that's kind of the group discussion element that if I was to be part of something, that's kind of what mine is. Right. Um, but I definitely am committed digitally. Like you've seen me, my yes. phone yeah. is never out of my hand because I mean, that's what I, that's my job. Right. Um, so it's, it's part of me. We are one. Yeah, we are. It's part of me. Um, so I don't think that I'm overcommitted necessarily in the same sense that you are. But when I think about my experience of being overcommitted to too many things that require not my passive energy, but my ongoing participation, I think about growing my business while also working full time. Right. That was the like huge amounts of overcommitment for me. That was really hard. Of working course. full time, building my business, having a social life, working out a couple days a week, making sure my plants are watered, making sure I'm watered, you know, like, <laughs> it's all, it's all very hard. And like you, I don't half ass anything. Right. I, I it's my whole ass all the we time. Full right? ass people. I'm a full ass kind of girl. So that was really hard because I knew I wasn't maybe necessarily bringing my best self to all elements. I was right. still doing the best that I could for work and my business, but some of the stuff like needs to slide because there's just way too much going on. You mm -hmm. feel like you need to trim the fat, but you have the perspective of, of nothing is fat. Right. So, so that is when I think about overcommitting and the experiences I've had, that's, that's the big one that kind of really sticks out for me. And when you feel overcommitted, what are the first things to go? What do you let go of when there's so much else happening? Uh, anything self-care or emotional or mental well-being related. Bingo. Uh, yep. There goes any sort of sense of balance. Because the only person that is impacted is me in those things. Correct. So 
if it's work, if it's something that requires others, that goes first because I don't want to disappoint anybody. I know. I'm exactly the same. When yeah, I, I'd rather just disappoint myself than someone else. Exactly. I can get over my self-disappointment, but this pressure of disappointing people means that the first things that go for me are exercise. It's eating well. It's taking good care of myself. It's doing the things that I like to do. Recently this year, I rediscovered my love of reading fiction. Like I love a good book about a family and a murder. <laughs> and it's on a beach. And yeah. it's absolutely on a beach. Someone uh, went love, over a cliff. Yeah. Love Australian writers because it's always on a beach. It's yeah. Fantastic. But those are the first things to go. And so when I find myself being especially tied up or overcommitted, the first thing, and I get really radical about this, is I go, great, I'm not socializing. No more evening and weekend activities forgetting that those are sometimes the things that recharge me. So the thing I take off my plate is actually the thing that I need the most to be able to keep going. I also have said before that I'm on permanent Slackcation. I can't be bothered with Slack. I have turned off notifications for those types of things. I have do not disturb on my computer. So my iMessages aren't distracting, but even without notifications, just knowing that it's there is so much or having unread messages all the time. It's too much pressure for me. And I'm very much the type of person that I respond to your text immediately, or I respond to your text in three weeks because I just find it overwhelming. There's too there's too much happening for me that I'm really now figuring out what matters, what's really important. And in order to be able to do that, not just what's really important, but what's really important for this goal that I've set or this path that matters to me. It's different than just saying what's important. It's like, what is actually going to help me move forward on this one thing? So for me right now, that's writing a book. Everything that I'm contributing to, everything that I'm a member of, I keep going back to, is this helping me achieve the thing that I want to achieve, which is to come out with a draft of my book within 2020. That is what I am working towards. So as of today, and this is a new change for me, it just started, you know, about a week ago where I went, I'm overcommitted. I'm exhausted. I was afraid to take four days off without self-service. And then I did and realized that nobody died and everything was okay. Nobody needed me that desperately. So I started this process of sitting back and going, what am I actually committed to? So as of today, I have uncommitted to one of the four things. And one of the other four things is wrapping up in two weeks and I'm not replacing it with anything. Plus the third one that I not super engaged in I've actually set a deadline for myself. I am giving it till the end of September to commit to getting value from it. It's a one hour call a week, or if not, it's gone. So I have one month of limbo time where I've actually paid attention to, am I getting value out of what this course is? Am I attending the call? Am I engaging in the Facebook group? And if not, I'm out. My process for uncommitting has been kind of four steps, which is number one, I wrote down everything that I am a part of and if there are accompanying communities. 
I have talked about the co-working space that I'm a part of before and how they have an accompanying Slack channel. I just refuse to join the Slack. I am not that person. Come to my office. When we're not in person in the pandemic, send me an email. There are other ways to get a hold of me that don't demand me using Slack. After everything is written down, the second step is to identify which ones you've actively participated in during the last week. If it's not a weekly activity, what have you actively participated in in the last month or the last three months? How much are you actually doing in there? The third thing is to identify which ones you're in because of the person versus the content. And this is where I get stuck. I want to be liked and I get caught up in this. If I unsubscribe, they won't like me or they will take it personally. And so at least identifying those things, that's where we can start to debunk some of these excuses. So I put a little P versus C next to mine going, am I here because of the person or am I here because I need the content which is going to help me get towards my bottom line? And only at the last step did I look at the financial investment. And I looked at the financial investment in two ways. I looked at it monthly. Most of my things are monthly or a one-time project fee and over time. And this is where we really come into the excuses because I can already hear people listening to this saying, yeah, but yeah, it's only this much a month or yeah, this person is my friend and I really do need to support them. So this is where we get into the top five excuses that I have. LP, I'm sure you've experienced some of these. And I'm sure our audience listening is going, yes, help me fight back against this excuse. Excuse number one, and this is one that I come back to a lot, but it's only X number of dollars a month. It's only $40 a month. It's only $25 a month. It's only $7 a month. This is where I get stuck. It's often the least expensive groups and communities, and sometimes even the free ones that are the hardest to leave. I find myself saying, well, it's only 20 bucks a month. I spend more than that on coffee or whatever. I'm really quick to justify it. Here's where we debunk and go, after six months of not using this, how much money does that actually become? After six months of not using your $40 a month program, you're now $240 in the hole for something you've never touched. The second excuse, that comes up a lot for me. But my client, my best friend, my coach, my therapist runs this group and I love them. Even if I'm not using it, I want to support them. If you are in a course or group because your business bestie runs it, but you're not using it, find a different way to support them. Like their page, comment on their post, share their group with somebody who would get real value out of it. For me, I've had to really step into the, the head and the shoes of the person running this group and think, do I want people in this group just because they like me? If you like me, make me dinner, buy me a glass of wine, tell me you think what I'm doing is cool, but don't join my group out of obligation. I had this conversation with Jenny because she knows I'm a chronic overcommitter and have a really hard time with uncommitting. And Jenny said that there's also no need to send a Dear John letter, which is, 
if you know this person, you don't need to send a 400 word essay explaining why you aren't staying in the group. She has gotten some of these before and she always says, what you've actually done is created more work for me because now I have to email you back, respond and comfort you that you haven't actually hurt my feelings as opposed to seeing an unsubscribe and going, okay, great, it wasn't working for them. Liz, have you had any of those moments where you're committed to, to something because you know the person? Yeah, I mean, I, I wanna support my people, right? So if someone is taking on a new adventure and they need someone in their corner, of course I wanna support them, but if it's like, you know, the first meeting or the first couple of meetings and I'm like, I don't wanna be here. <laughs> I love this person dearly, but this is not for me. Yeah. You kind of feel like you're in kind of a, you're kind of stuck. Like, how do I let this person know that this isn't for me, but it's not personal. I'll support you in other ways, other ways that don't require so much of my performative energy. Absolutely. And I even think about this with referrals too, because I've had other people and friends say to me, oh, you should join this group. You'd really like it. And I learned that the group's not for me. And then not only am I disappointing the person running the group, but I feel like I'm disappointing my friend who referred me to it. And really, it is not personal because my friend and I have different needs. We have different goals. In order for me to assess what I'm a part of and what I'm subscribing to, it really has to do with me being clear about what I really want. That third excuse, I know I'll need it later. And I don't want to miss out on the founders or early adopters rate. I struggle here. This is one that I imagine comes up a lot for technology where people go, oh, if I'm the first one in, I'm going to get this super cheap monthly rate that I'm going to keep for life. I'll be grandfathered in once this product grows and gets better. I'm going to have a banging deal. I really believe that you will feel so much better when you need the product, when you need the group, and you have to spend $100 a month, then you will spending $40 a month for six months and not actually touching it. There's something to be said about getting what you pay for. And I know that when I have left groups, when I have given up my founder's rate and then really needed it, I come back and I'm more than happy to pay the full price because I know I will actually use it. The I know I'll need it later part of that excuse really kind of, I had like a ding, 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 not necessarily with paying for stuff like a founders or an early adopters rate, but that I know I'll need it later. I'm really big with downloading reports or surveys that have been done about social media trends like on my desktop I think I have three different pdfs that have been sitting there for a while that I, I see it on a, a site that I really I like the work that they're doing I download it thinking it'll be useful information and it probably is but it's been sitting on my desktop for four months and I haven't opened it and the trends that are outlined are probably not even trends anymore right <laughs> I am a sucker for a free download I'm just gonna say it and that's again why this idea of something free is so much harder for me when it's inexpensive, when it's free. I'm like, oh, I'll download it and save it. I know I have many a checklist of like, here are the top five things to do to build your content strategy. Here are the five best ways to promote your podcast. I know one that I have sitting in my downloads folder right now is a checklist to give your virtual assistant to help them take things off your plate. Am I looking for a virtual assistant right now? 
No, but maybe one day am I, I am, I'm really going to want to make sure that I have that checklist. Well, let's be honest. When I need it, I can Google that shit. I can find it. I think it's funny, not haha funny, but you've downloaded a checklist to take things off your plate and it has added something else to your plate. <laughs> oh, the irony is not lost on me. <laughs> yes, I, the more checklists I download to make my life easier is actually just adding complexity. It's adding one more thing I have to read, one more thing I have to think about, and none of those are helping me achieve my big goal. You need a checklist about how to get rid of all those checklists. <laughs> but you wouldn't read that one either. <laughs> well, probably not. I do love a list though. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I do like a checklist, but oh man, I feel like for every single checklist I've downloaded, it's like an angel loses its wings or something because I have so many and never use any of them. And then the worst part is that then I'm stuck in somebody else's newsletter funnel where I get emails every single day from this person. And eventually I'm like, oh, okay, this is getting a little annoying. It takes me like a month to unsubscribe. I don't feel any better about that, which I mean, brings me to number four, which is I feel so guilty, like I'm personally letting someone down. These courses, workshops, webinars, checklists were created by somebody to help you. If they aren't helping you, they might be helping somebody else. You are not personally responsible for supporting everybody else's business and downloading everybody's checklist and subscribing to their newsletter. I'm going to out myself here and say that I have a feeling Marie Forleo doesn't know who I am, which means that if I unsubscribe from her newsletter, I'm probably not going to personally let her down. I imagine that she would be happier if I'm reading her newsletter every day and enjoying it than just letting it clutter up my inbox. And then I get grouchy and resentful that damn Marie sends too many emails. Am I really helping her if I'm just adding to the clutter? This guilt is one that is so hard and I always have to keep perspective especially when businesses are small. I use Marie Forleo as a big example, but to use myself, we've got over a hundred subscribers to our newsletter. When somebody leaves, do I see it? Sure. Do I let it ruin my day? Absolutely not. If it isn't working for you, get rid of it. I would rather have 50 people who are committed and love what I write and respond to my email newsletters and share them then have 200 people who go, oh, this broad again, delete. So there is more value in somebody actually engaging than in just a vanity metric of having a certain number of people listening. That final excuse comes about free things. It's just a free community or a Slack channel. It's free so I can stay. I am a big believer that sometimes free is too expensive. Every time you aren't engaging and you feel like you should, or when you feel like your Facebook, which used to be a place for you to just creep people from high school and look at cute dogs, is hijacked by all of these free groups, it is time to get out and not look back. Liz, we've talked about things like communities, Slack channels, or newsletters that are really hard for people to say no to. What are some of the signs that you're ready to uncommit? Well, I think about a couple of newsletters that are sitting in my inbox 
this morning that I haven't read. I can get them every day and I haven't read them in a couple of weeks. And that would be a number one indicator that I used to love this newsletter, but I've changed or things have changed. I don't have room for it in my routine anymore. The content's not serving me anymore. It's time to unsubscribe. And maybe a year from now, I'll want to sign up again. Uh, But it's not, it's not for me right now because it's just, it's just not, and that's okay. So I need to unsubscribe. And that's like a, that's a really big indicator for me is I'm just not buying in anymore. Totally. And you've hit on this magic point of like, I have changed. When I first started my business, there were two things that I wanted to do. Number one, I wanted to be a fashion stylist. And number two, I'm, I've been all about customer experience. That was my first business, the compliment. I still run it. I'm still doing it. But gradually I am unsubscribing from things that are focused just on retail, or I'm unsubscribing from things that are focused on fashion styling because A, I'm not doing it, and B, is it helping me towards my primary goal right now? No, it's just not. And interestingly, another way that I have been uncommitting is with some of the stuff in my house because I have a stack of books that are all about fashion trends, dressing for different body types, um, how to think like a stylist. And not only do I not read them anymore, but they're taking up all this space and somebody else could get better use out of them. It's like, I mean, the stack of books is physical clutter. We could think about uncommitting from a mental clutter perspective too. I look at my inbox, I see a couple of newsletters that just aren't serving me anymore, but they are still taking up mental space for me to do something with them. Exactly. So if we can uncommit, free up that space for something that does serve our purposes and is good for our goals, we'll be way better off. Correct. I would rather have five books on my shelf that I reference and go back to all the time than have a hundred books that I never really look at and just kind of look pretty. There is certainly that mental space that is taken up, physical space that is taken up. So some of it is is a physical uncommitting or an actual like click of a button to uncommit. But some of it is also just letting things be and letting them go. This morning I was reading from, I would say one of my top five books that I reference all the time, Essentialism. And there is this like clincher of a sentence that got me. And it was, if I didn't have this opportunity, what would I be willing to do to acquire it? And I applied this to my four groups that I was a part of as of earlier this week and thought, if I wasn't already in this group, would I be seeking it out? If I wasn't already in this course, would I be hunting for it? If I didn't already have this book, would I be searching to find it? For three of the four, I went, no, I actually wouldn't be looking for this because it's not serving my purpose right now. Again, that sentence is, if I didn't have this opportunity, what would I be willing to do to acquire it? I've also thought about this in terms of a potential contract. I was approached to speak at a a group staff meeting. And once I replied, they said, oh, we've already found someone. Thanks. My instinct was, oh shit, I lost out on this opportunity. Oh, that could have been some great money. And then I sat back and went, I didn't seek this out. This isn't something that I was seeking out in terms of an opportunity, in terms of a client. So really no harm, no foul. I didn't actually lose anything. 
because I wasn't looking for it. So I'm spending a lot more time thinking about what I'm actually looking for instead of just saying yes to everything. We've debunked the five big thoughts that keep us in things that aren't serving us. And I wanna know after hearing this conversation, what are you ready to uncommit to? Maybe it's a newsletter, maybe it's downloading another checklist, maybe it's a group or a program or a download or a self-guided course. I want to know, what are you uncommitting to? Most importantly, what I really care about is, how does it feel when you uncommit? Having uncommitted from one thing, which was just $25 a month, and knowing that another thing is wrapping up in two weeks, I feel a physical weight off of me. I am not feeling this urge to fill up that space, to fill up that hour a week with something else. Instead, I'm looking at it going, great, how can I use this hour to contribute to what I really want to do? And in one case, that extra hour that I'm going to be gaining in two weeks is going to be rest time for me. It's going to be reading something that I like. It's going to be sitting on my couch. It's not just going to be replacing it with another hour of learning. So please join us on Instagram and tell us what are you uncommitting to? And if you don't want to hurt any feelings, no reason to name that group or that course or that webinar. There's no shade here. I just want to hear, yes, I uncommitted and this is how it feels. I'm hoping with WWAWD today, our question asker will feel a little bit better and feel some relief and have a little bit of Amanda's wisdom to use to deal with something she's dealing with at work. Our question is from Madison who says, I have a coworker who drives me crazy. I need independent work time, whether we are at the office or I'm working from home. I feel like she's always bugging me, stopping at my desk, sending me instant messages. She can't seem to read the room with the signs I'm giving her. Sometimes I'll even say, I need to focus. Can we please talk later? She'll give me space for a while, but then eventually creeps back over or online. She wants to talk about work stuff, but also about her personal and dating life. Any suggestions about what I should do? What would Amanda Wagner do? This is an excellent question. And just because I'm not working in a traditional office environment now doesn't mean that I haven't before. I have experienced this before. And I even work with a client where I spend two days a week in their office and I've experienced this. Madison, first, this sounds really hard. And it sounds like for you, you need specific time or boundaries to focus. Here's the thing. Nobody's going to follow boundaries unless you set them. One of those things for me, for example, is when I come in the door, I've still got my bag, my coffee cup, my jacket on, and someone says, hey, how was your weekend? I require that settling time. Let me put my bag down. Let me take my coat off, and then we can have this conversation. So it sounds like you're on your way to setting boundaries. You're already saying, I need to focus. Can we talk later? I'm going to encourage you to get more specific. Can you tell this person, look, I get my best work done between 9 a.m. and 11.30 a.m. Can we talk for 10 minutes at 11.30? Here's a post-it note. I know this sounds very passive aggressive, but all right, that's me. It's fine. Tell that person, write down everything that you're, you're thinking about. Write down everything you want to talk about. And at 11.30, we will discuss it then. Alternatively, if you want to spend time with that person, set up a lunch hour a week where you're like, let's jam on our personal lives. Let's talk about dating. But you're also at work to work. 
And I'm not saying that every moment of every hour has to be head down, focused on a specific task, but you are there to cross some finish lines. You are there to check things off your to-do list that contribute to, to the goal that you've set or that your company set. So this person is really hijacking your time, but probably not even realizing it. Bottom line, set some clearer boundaries. Think about when you work best, that might be different than the other person and that's okay, but communicate what those boundaries are. The best time for us to have this conversation is after four o'clock in the kitchen when I'm cleaning my coffee mug. It's going to be repetition of that boundary and it's going to be hard, but this person doesn't seem to be picking up on cues. So give her a good time to talk to you. And if she's not happy with that, that's on her and not you. And I encourage you to keep setting your boundaries, keep focusing on when you do your best work. And I really hope that that helps you get down to business when it counts and have that socialization when you need it. I love the specificity of that to get really granular with the brand, with the boundaries. That's something that I will use that advice as well. And it forces me too, because I've had to do this. It forces me to sit down and go, these are my best work hours. I work best in the morning. Why would I give away my most valuable time to talk about the weenie that you're dating or to talk about your Tinder experience? Yeah, it's fun and engaging and we can talk about it, but not during my like ripest prime hours for productivity. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for your question, Madison. We want to hear your questions. Please send them to us on Instagram at the Amanda Wagner, or you can visit theamandawagner.com and send your question via the contact info on the website. Once again, please join us on Instagram every day that this podcast comes out. We always ask this question right in our feed. So we want to know how does radical uncommitting land on you and what are you uncommitting to? I want to hear if this brings up some freedom in you, if it gives you some space for something else. And if it gives you some guilt, that's okay too. Tell us, we'll happily talk about it. Liz and I are both becoming experts of really focusing on what we want to do, what our bottom line is, and we are along for the ride to help you out. Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode. And because we live by Don't Ask, Don't Get, we are asking you to follow along with us on social media, sign up for the monthly newsletter at theamandawagner.com and share this episode with a friend. If you love the podcast, please leave us a review. Those five stars definitely count. And even better, we love to hear your personal feedback about what's working for you so we can do more of it. We will be back in two weeks with a brand new episode. We're already cooking it up. We're getting ready for you. And until then, we will see you on the internet.